A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad you're with me on the program today. Hopefully uh, getting ready to enjoy a relaxing weekend. Fingers crossed for you. Maybe get a chance to do a little bit of shooting. It's actually supposed to be nice here in Central Virginia, so I'm already looking forward to uh, Saturday. Hopefully get in a little uh, range time. Maybe even go visit my local gun shop, which uh, does not have any of the weird zoning restrictions that we're starting to see put in place. We're actually going to be talking about some of those uh, zoning restrictions on Cam and Company today. Uh, Before we do that, however, when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars, you're supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and principles of that organization. Right? It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with your values, just what's going on with uh, Bud Light right now. But do you make an effort to do business with the companies that support what you believe when you can? Well, do yourself a favor and give Defender Ammunition Company a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated, and every person on their staff is military-connected. They're huge supporters of the military community, backing causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those that served. In fact, the profits from all of their logoed gear goes directly to the charities that they back. This company is one to support. Their ammo is top-notch. Their customer service is great. What other shipping department writes handwritten thank you notes to their customers? Give these guys a try. And they have thrown us a promo code to use at the end of May. That code is Bearing Arms, B-E-A-R-I-N-G-A-R-M-S, Bearing Arms, good for 5% off your order. Trust me, once you give these guys a try, you won't be going anywhere else. Check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. Now, unfortunately, if you live in California, you can't buy ammunition online. You can't go out of state, buy ammunition, and bring it back. No, no, that's illegal under California law. It is being challenged, thankfully, uh, in a, a case called Rody versus Bont. It's one of the four cases that's currently pending before U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez. Kind of surprised we actually haven't seen a decision come down in uh, Rody versus Bont. And I have a feeling that Judge Benitez is going to uh, conclude that the California law in question violates the Second Amendment rights of California residents, like a lot of California laws that are on the books. And there are more infringements on the way. Uh, we've been following what's going on in Redwood City, California, for the last few months, where the uh, city council there was upset and bothered by the fact that uh, two gun stores had applied to open up uh, retail shops uh, in Redwood City. Yeah, I think one was in a, a strip mall location. I think the other was uh, maybe a standalone business. Uh, but the anti-gunners lost their mind in Redwood City when it became apparent that uh, the zoning laws did not preclude these gun shops from opening up. And so in the months since, there has been a a lot of discussion and debate, most of it behind closed doors, about how to restrict where gun stores can open and operate as much as possible. Now we're starting to see some sunlight shed on those deliberations. Uh, The Redwood City Planning Commission this week advanced or had advocated for implementing greater safety precautions in sensitive areas where children often travel without adult supervision when weighing in on draft regulations around firearm retailers and where they can locate in the city, a decision that commissioners said balances public safety with the constitutional right to bear arms. During a meeting on Tuesday, the Planning Commission voted 6-1 to to recommend that the City Council adopt an ordinance prohibiting firearm and ammunition retailers from operating within 600 feet of child care centers, libraries, community centers, faith-based places of worship, as well as Courthouse Square. 
Now, those aren't the only restrictions, according to the uh, Daily Journal. Uh, this is the San Mateo uh, Daily Journal, I believe, um, uh, covering the uh, issue there in Redwood City. They also want to place restrictions on how close to uh, private residences gun stores can operate. Yeah, a, a larger buffer of a 1,000 feet would apply to areas like schools, public parks, and youth centers, which Commissioner Rudy Espinoza-Murray says are places that children often frequent without adults. The 1,000-foot buffer, a change from the SAS proposal that called for a 600-foot buffer for all sensitive uses. Staff also proposed a 1,000-foot buffer between firearm dealers to prevent clustering, which remained in the version supported by the commission. So, first of all, um, are, are, are kids really frequenting schools? And youth centers where there are no adults present? Really? No no adults in schools these days in California. I mean, I, I suppose they, they, they could have adopted the model of let the kids teach themselves. But I'm not aware that that's the case, even in Redwood City. Now, this seems like uh, a bid by the uh, Planning Commission and the City Council, quite frankly, uh, to simply place as many barriers as possible between those who want to open up a gun store uh, and their ability to actually do so by placing broad swaths of Redwood City off limits. Now, one of the um, city council members, uh, Rudy Espinoza-Murray, uh, who proposed the recommended changes, said that he is approaching the issue as both a father concerned for public safety and a gun enthusiast who enjoys hunting and supports, quote, common sense gun control legislation. He said, quote, I don't think there's ever been a more unifying land use issue in Redwood City. Overwhelmingly, residents have shared the opinion that they do not want their children exposed to firearms and ammunition retailers. What we cannot do is essentially ban the legal sale of firearms through land use policy. We must find a balance between respecting the Second Amendment and permitting the lawful sale of firearms and ammunition while reducing the health and safety impacts of easy access to guns. Now, keep in mind, this is California we're talking about here. The state has made it impossible, uh, at least in theory. And it certainly has made it impossible for folks to legally have, quote unquote, easy access to guns. California is a 10 day waiting period. Now, that law, too, is also being challenged in court. Coalition of uh, Second Amendment groups, including the Farms Policy Coalition, Second Amendment Foundation, San Diego County Gun Owners PAC, uh, and the, uh, I believe, the California Gun Rights Foundation, along with several individual plaintiffs filing suit this week, taking on the 10 day waiting period. But it exists right now. So, what is Murray talking about? We said, wow, we got to reduce the uh, easy access to firearms. No, 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 no. Under California gun laws, nobody legally has easy access to firearms. If you're stealing a gun, well, that's something else. If you're buying a gun on the uh, illicit market, eh, that's another story altogether. But if you're walking into a gun store, you're submitting yourself to the NICS check. You get approved for the NICS check. You're not walking out with a gun. Not for another week and a half. Because California has decided that uh, you will arbitrarily twiddle your thumbs for 10 days before you can take possession of that firearm. So I don't buy the argument from Murray that this is about reducing, quote, easy access to guns. This is about reducing your ability to purchase a firearm at all in Redwood City. And as Espinosa Murray pointed out, no, they can't simply ban gun stores. That's probably not going to fly. So instead, what they'll do is they'll craft these zoning laws in a way that makes it virtually impossible to actually operate a gun store because of all of those, uh, you know, buffer zones, right? The 600-foot buffer zone 
uh, when it comes to uh, what all the houses of worship. I'm trying to remember all of the uh, considerations here. Uh, child care centers, libraries, community centers, faith-based places of worship, courthouse square, and then the thousand-foot buffer around all uh, parks, schools, youth centers. Uh, and again, they also do want to try to do this for uh, residential areas as well. Um, According to the uh, local coverage there, all seven commissioners on the uh, planning commission share their support for some level of regulations while taking into account the legal ramifications of limiting shops. Both Espinosa Murray and Commissioner Kimberly Koch said that their lives have been affected by gun violence. But Koch, the lone vote against the measure, shared her own doubts about whether distance from gun shops reduces crime, noting that the incident in her family resulted after a gun was acquired outside of the city where she lived. Commission Chair Rick Hunter argued that the 1,000-foot buffer appeared to be a, quote, sweet spot in the region, noting that other jurisdictions have adopted the uh, standard when regulating firearm dealers, including neighboring San Carlos. The uh, city staff, however, argued that the larger buffer could be too restrictive, so Hunter suggested adding residential areas into the list of, quote, sensitive uses, which, again, would be another barrier for those trying to open up a gun store. Now, this isn't just happening in Redwood City. This is happening uh, all over the country. In fact, I saw a story earlier today about uh, ranchers in South Dakota who are upset over a proposed outdoor gun range in South Dakota. Yeah. So the NIMBY effect is real. It's not just uh, relegated to blue states. This can happen anywhere and everywhere. Uh, and this is one of the fights that, frankly, we are going to have to take back to the courts because there is an untenable status quo that exists in a lot of cities around the country. You know, it's been... What, 13 years since the McDonald's decision was handed down by the Supreme Court, uh, killing off Chicago's ban on handguns inside the city limits. Since then, we've seen multiple lawsuits filed in an attempt to force the city to comply uh, with the right to keep and bear arms. But there are still no gun stores operating inside the Chicago city limits. There are no gun ranges operating inside the Chicago city limits. Because first, the city of Chicago banned gun stores and gun ranges from operating. They were sued. They lost. They revised their code and said, okay, um, you're going to have to put your gun stores. Again, they had all these buffer zones, right? They got to be zoned industrial. It can't be a thousand feet within whatever. And as it turns out, 3% of the land area in Chicago was theoretically open to a gun store. The problem was that that 3% of the land in Chicago that was technically available for gun stores to use was not appropriate for any type of building. It didn't have road access. <laughs> there was no way to get to it. Uh, so the city got sued again. Oh, I, I can't remember if they lost. I think they did lose at the district court level, and then they adopted more changes. So now in order to get a gun store or a range approved in Chicago – you have to get a special use permit. You've got to go through all of these extra approval steps, and nobody's been approved. In fact, I think few people have tried because they know that the fix is in. And so for more than a decade, city of Chicago has been able to keep gun stores and ranges from operating inside the city limits, which has done nothing, by the way, for their crime rate, has made it much harder and more difficult for legal gun owners to get the training that anti-gunners want the mandate that they have, Right. Again, this is not about respecting the Second Amendment. It's not about striking a balance. It's about pushing as hard as they can, right up to the envelope where they think the courts are going to smack them down and say, hey, you can't do that. That's unconstitutional. I don't think the city council in Redwood City uh, wants to lose a court fight. 
But I don't think that they want to recognize or treat the right to keep and bear arms as a real and fundamental right either. I think they want to continue treating it as a privilege to be exercised by a chosen few who are approved by the state, not only in terms of keeping and bearing arms, but uh, buying and selling them as well. And that doesn't respect our right to keep and bear arms. That doesn't strike a balance that continues to treat the Second Amendment as a second-class right or worse. Again, as nothing more than a privilege. So, in Redwood City, it looks like these uh, barriers are coming. And it looks like the gun stores uh, that have previously been approved, um, they may be on hold and may not be able to open at all. So, there is the potential for further litigation on this issue coming out of Redwood City. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, the uh, Supreme Court will take a look at some of these restrictions and say, listen, this is a ban by another name. You're not banning these stores outright, but it has the impact, it has the effect of preventing gun stores from opening up. And so that is a ban by another name. And guess what? That's not allowed. You are infringing on people's right, not just to keep and bear arms, but again, to acquire a firearm for self-defense as well. We'll keep our eyes on what's going on in Redwood City, bring you any more details as they become available. But if you see if something happening like this in your neck of the woods, let me know in the comments. Shoot me, uh, well, I'd say shoot me a DM on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter that much. But, uh, you know, email us at Bearing Arms. Uh, we've got the uh, contact form on our website. Just let us know what's going on where you live, and we'll be sure to uh, cover this story as well. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Actually, before we get to that, there is something we really have to think about. What's happening with the banks right now? It is literally crazy. Can you imagine what this is going to do to the retirement savings of America? Now, I want to tell you what I've heard from Augusta Precious Metals. Gold buying is on fire right now because people want gold IRAs to protect their retirement savings. And get this, if you have 100000 plus saved for retirement, Augusta will pay you in pure gold to learn how gold IRAs can protect you. That is a big deal, a pure gold coin for free. Reach out to Augusta Precious Metals today and learn how you can get started with gold. Don't let bank failures get you down. Get this free gold and get some peace of mind. Call 855-222-4997 to learn whether gold can help protect your retirement and get your free gold coin. That's Augusta Precious Metals at 855-222-4997. Again, 855-222-4997. So in today's uh, recidivist report, this is not actually a true recidivist report. The reason why I highlight this is because... I've noticed this trend in blue states where lawmakers say, my God, we've got to have these laws on the books to protect the public safety. We have to have these new laws in place. And then when the new laws are in place, or even the existing laws are there, they're not really enforced because the Democrats, by and large, have taken a very soft on crime approach, right? They don't, they seem to want to have a lot of gun laws that they don't really use a lot. So in Illinois, a man caught with a quote-unquote ghost gun, which was made illegal in Illinois just last year, has received his punishment, probation, which uh, <clears throat> isn't much of a punishment at all. Now, again, I was told by uh, anti-gun advocates that uh, this ghost gun law was, again, desperately needed. That if Illinois didn't have it, 
by God, criminals were going to be walking around with, uh, uh, you know, illicitly produced firearms without serial numbers. And it was going to be wreaking havoc on the city. So they got to do or on the state. So they got to do something. Right. And they got to crack down on these things. But here's what that looks like in practice. Uh, as the Herald Review newspaper reports, a Decatur store worker who armed himself with a semi-automatic handgun that he built for mail order parts that he shopped online has been sentenced to 12 months probation. Yeah. 33-year-old uh, Jacob Brown had a Foyd card, but no concealed carry license when he was uh, found with the gun back on November the 4th while at his place of work. Sworn affidavit from Decatur Police that a, a female manager of the store had seen a, quote, bulge on the right hip of Brown that she was concerned might be a gun, and uh, she called police. Uh, Brown was faced with a weapons pat down by arriving officers, as quoted to admitted, uh, admitting that he was armed, and then police took the uh, 9mm handgun as well as a spare magazine. Officer uh, Griffin Meeker, who signed the affidavit, said Brown advised that he had purchased the firearm by separate parts online in 2017, and it does not have a serial number. Um, the affidavit also went on to say Brown said that he knew that he had the firearm on him illegally. He stated that he had it for him uh, for his protection. So, Macon County Circuit Court, Brown shows up April 27th and took a plea deal negotiated by Defense Attorney Cordy Anderson, admitting to a charge of disorderly conduct. A felony charge of aggravated unlawful use of a weapon was dismissed by Judge James Coriel. Uh, in addition to the probation sentence, Coriel also ordered Brown to undergo a mental health evaluation within 90 days to complete any recommended treatment, and he was ordered to forfeit the farm within nine months of the court hearing. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Jacob Brown is not going to prison for unlawful use of a weapon, for possessing a pistol in public without a concealed carry license. I'm a fan of constitutional carry. I don't believe we need a government permission slip in order to exercise our right to keep and bear arms. But I'm not the one that wrote the ghost gun law in Illinois. And uh, I find it very interesting that gun control advocates aren't bringing up this case. There's no uh, Kwame Raoul, the attorney general in Illinois. I haven't seen any uh, statement excoriating the judge or the prosecutor for agreeing to this plea bargain. No, they, they seem fine with the outcome here, or, or at least they don't want to bring attention to it. Even though, supposedly, these laws were desperately needed in order to uh, prevent, quote unquote, ghost guns from uh, being built by violent criminals. See, so you've got somebody in possession of a, quote unquote, ghost gun. And the sentence is 12 months probation. He's got nine months to which he can keep that firearm before he has to uh, hand it over to police, according to the uh, court order. And again, I'm just a little confused, I guess, by the rhetoric that we see around these gun control laws when they're legislation, right, before they're signed into law, versus the absolute silence from these same gun control activists when the uh, bills are now in place and are being enforced, or what looks like enforcement, it, it's it's so odd, isn't it? It's almost like they would rather have the laws in place, and they just work to keep building more and more restrictive gun laws, rather than really worry themselves about the impact that these laws have. And actually, I guess it's not that odd now that I think about it, because this is a strategy of the anti-gunners. Failure is baked into the cake. When they pass a gun control law and they swear, Scouts honor. No, that's two, three, whatever. It's been a long time since I was in the uh, Boy Scouts. Um, and I never made Eagle Scout. Sorry. Uh, but when they promise this law is going to have an impact, this law is going to make a difference, 
and then it doesn't, they always go back and say, well, this time around, it's going to work. And we've seen this in Colorado, where for the past decade, Democrats have passed gun control law after gun control law after gun control law as the violent crime rate in the state goes up and up and up. And every time, it's the same talking points, right? This valuable legislation is going to be a life-saving tool. And then a couple of years later, maybe not even a couple of years, maybe just the next time the session rolls around. Uh, well, you know, uh, we, we've taken important steps and we got to do more. When these important steps haven't resulted in any reduction in violent crime. May have made it harder, again, to lawfully exercise your constitutional rights, but hasn't dissuaded uh, criminals at all. Uh, today's Armed Citizen story, kind of a follow-up to yesterday's. Uh, we talked about, uh, maybe day before yesterday, we talked about this uh, shooting at a Walgreens in San Francisco where the district attorney uh, said she will not be bringing charges because it looks like it was self-defense. Well, now a uh, San Francisco supervisor uh, wants the DA to reconsider that decision and uh, charge the security guard with at least manslaughter, uh, despite the fact that uh, it sounds like the the uh, supervisor has not seen any video of the shooting itself. Um, kind of, again, I guess, why wait for the facts, right? When there is... Um, anti-gun hay to be made. So this is uh, Supervisor Aaron Peskin said he uh, plans to formally request District Attorney Brooke Jenkins reconsider her decision not to charge the uh, Walgreens security guard accused of fatally shooting a 24-year-old outside of the store. Um, Jenkins' decision not to charge Michael Earl Wayne Anthony, who originally was arrested on suspicion of fatally shooting uh, Banco Brown, uh, has led to an outcry in uh, San Francisco about the treatment of black and transgendered people in the city, according to uh, Axios San Francisco. Um, the DA says that didn't factor into this. Uh, you know, Jenkins has said, quote, we ultimately did not believe that we could prove beyond a reasonable doubt here that the security guard had committed murder or any other crime. Um, in her original statement announcing her decision not to file charges, she said that it was clear that the security guard, quote, believed he was in mortal danger and acted in self-defense. Now, the footage of this incident, uh, which I guess was caught on surveillance cameras, has not been publicly released. So I don't know where this city council member is getting the idea that uh, this decision must have been wrong. Uh, Peskin said that he would ask his fellow supervisors to urge the uh, district attorney to re-examine her decision, saying, quote, this appears to be a manslaughter case to this non-attorney. I, I, I don't know how, again, Peskin could make that determination based solely on press reports. But I, again, since when have anti-gunners waited for the facts to be known, Right. Uh, Stephen Torres, who serves on the city's entertainment commission, said at the same meeting, quote, this is not an anomaly. He uh, added that uh, transgender people of color are, quote, routinely harassed and targeted by hired security. Um, in this case, it doesn't sound like uh, Banco Brown was harassed by security. It sounds like Banco Brown had threatened uh, the lives of uh the customers inside the Walgreens and uh, perhaps the security guard as well, certainly according to the uh, district attorney, uh, Brown had threatened or at least had uh, placed the security guard in a position where he reasonably believed that his life was in danger. 
but again, this case in San Francisco uh, shows just how not just anti-Second Amendment, but how anti-self-defense uh, progressives are these days, particularly, again, in uh, cities like the city by the bay. We'll keep our eyes on this story. I, I, I you know, I was going to say I'd be shocked if the DA went back on her decision. I, actually, I don't know anything about this DA. So I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I would be disappointed. I don't think it's the right thing to do to uh, bow to political pressure. And I hope she doesn't do it. But um, we'll keep our eyes on this story because, I mean, given that this is San Francisco, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe she will do a 180 and uh, once again charge the security guard for the crime of protecting himself. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, an off-duty officer from Charles County, Maryland, uh, who along with his wife helped save a woman in the midst of a mental health crisis on uh, I-95 in Baltimore, Maryland. Happened just a couple of days ago. Uh, Charles County Sheriff's Office said Officer Vernon Karapchinski and his wife Ashley were driving into Baltimore for a comedy show uh, back on April 21st when they saw an SUV stopped alongside a highway overpass and there was a young woman standing by the concrete barrier who was crying and distraught. Karapchinski thought, all right, you know, I better stop and see what's going on with her car, you know, see if I can help her out. And, um, that wasn't what was going on. Uh, as the uh, sheriff's office reports, the two-year veteran of the uh, sheriff's office and a veteran of the U.S. Marines as well um, ran to the woman as she tried to hoist herself over the concrete barrier and said that she wanted to die. Karabczynski ran over to her, grabbed her shoulders, pulled her to safety. He told uh, Channel 11 News, when my wife and I saw the young woman in distress, we stopped as it was the right thing to do. We wanted to give a helping hand, but when things began taking a turn for the worse, we knew that our plans no longer mattered. And we needed to focus on the young woman. So, Karabczynski and his wife were able to listen to her, calm her down, eventually call 911. The woman spoke about feeling hopeless, overwhelmed, and alone. And he said, um, when we met the young woman on the overpass, once we got to the situation where it was a little bit less tense, we could have a conversation. I explained to her where I came from and the situations that I dealt with growing up. And that, you know, if there's hope for me, there can be hope for her. You just have to be able to see a little bit of light on the other side. And I actually really strive to make that point. You can't let small things beat you down. Sometimes you just need a helping hand to get past it. So Karabczynski and his wife stayed there with the uh, young woman. Sheriff's office said that uh, Karabczynski shared with her how he was raised in Baltimore in severe poverty after his father suffered an accident that left him unable to, to work or provide for his family. He told the woman that he was able to push through high school and graduate. To two years in college before he joined the Marines, where he served for eight years with a tour in Afghanistan before becoming a uh, sheriff's deputy. He said, uh, growing up in a military household, I was always raised to do the right thing, even when no one's looking. After joining the Marine Corps, the words to live by honor, courage, and commitment were instilled into me every day. Sheriff's office says that uh, Karabczynski's wife also uh, spoke to the woman and shared her own story about how an immediate family member had taken his life and how to this day... She continues to support mental health awareness in honor of her relative. Karapczynski told the Channel 11 News, quote, after everything was done, we were just thankful that we were able to be there for someone who needed it. And that's all that matters to us. We were able to help her get to a better place. We pray that she's doing better now. By the way, it took about a half hour between the time that the 911 call was made and the ambulance arrived for this woman in question, who, again, 
standing on a highway overpass. And maybe the you know first responders thought, all right, at least there's a police presence there. We you know we, we can go to other priorities. But again, this really speaks to the staffing shortfalls that we're seeing in our first responders all across the country. Where even if they want to get there as quickly as they can, it's going to take some time. So I am so grateful that uh, Deputy Karabchinsky and his wife were in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Forget the comedy club. We've got more important things to deal with. Uh, and I thank them both for their very, very good deed. You know, in fact, I will say and share this with you. Um, the past week has been a tough week for me, personally. We've got stuff going on at the house where it's, uh, we have an older home that is, uh, if you are a VIP gold member, you heard me uh, uh, rant about this with uh, Ed Morrissey on uh, Wednesday. But, you know, we've got some serious uh, home improvement issues. Well, not even home improvement issues, just home repair issues uh, happening right now. I've um, been very concerned about my wife. You know, I was uh, actually off last Thursday because she kind of, it wasn't really an emergency procedure, but... There's some weird stuff going on in her lungs, and her doctor said that we got to get you in for a uh, some tests right away. Um, that was Wednesday afternoon as I was uh, heading up for um, my former producer, Cameron Gray's memorial service. And th the recovery that she's had over the past week has been a lot harder than when she's had these biopsies in the past. This is the third time she's actually had to have a, a bronchoscopy, and, and it's just laid her out. So it's been a rough week for me. I, I haven't been, listen, I haven't been feeling suicidal. But I've definitely been feeling stressed, been feeling the pressure, um, you know, whether it's just doing more around the house or just worried about what's going on. Last night, I had dinner with a, a friend who I actually met through Cam and Company. Um, my friend Will is a, a longtime listener. Uh, got to meet him in person a few years ago, and we have had the opportunity to hang out uh, at the interannual meetings, and uh, Will's come through town a couple of times, and we have dinner. And so Will and his family were uh, in Farmville yesterday, and uh, Missy was feeling good enough that she go out to dinner. I went out to dinner with Will, and I got to tell you, just being around a friend, just having that hour and a half of great conversation, of being with somebody who you know cares about you, and you care about them. Man, I got to tell you, it did wonders uh, for my mental and emotional health. Uh, I am not feeling nearly as stressed, nearly as down. Not, not, look, the circumstances of my life haven't changed. Still don't know what's going on with my wife's lungs. Still dealing with the uh, home repair project. And, you know, we'll figure that out. But sometimes it really does help just to be around folks who you know care. So I want to thank Will because I don't think he realized the uh, uh, mental pick-me-up that he gave me yesterday, but it certainly was real. Um, and so when you have the opportunity to do the same for someone else, someone you see maybe struggling, maybe not in the midst of a mental health crisis, but somebody you know is going through a rough patch, reach out. Just ask how they're doing. Let them vent. Let them talk if need be. Sometimes just being there is enough to do the right thing. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I thank you for being here. 
I really do appreciate it. And I hope that you'll visit BarryAndArms.com throughout the uh, day and the weekend. We'll keep you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. If you like what you see, I'd always encourage you to become a VIP member as well. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you access to exclusive content, news stories, analysis you won't find anywhere else. Because your support matters and it makes a difference as well. So thank you again. All right. I'll see you back here on Monday for another edition of Barry's Cam and Company. But again, we'll be uh, keeping you covered at Barry and Arms, the website throughout the weekend. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.